You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. We have a very exciting talk today, and I won't, I won't spoil the surprise for you. But just one clue, you will see a talking donkey. Talking donkey? Yes, the Bible story that we will read today has a talking donkey. Much like the one in Shrek. Here. Are we there yet? You know that? You know that donkey? Just like that. We will break down the verse later on. So our story, our talk is intertwined with the story that we will read today. There's no specific verse I can read today. But I want us to honor the Word of God first today. So that we may align our hearts. So that His story and His message may speak to us today. Are you ready? Let's raise our hands. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Father, we pray that you unravel your word today in our hearts. That it may speak the word that we need. The word of encouragement, the word of hope, the word of grace, the word of providence that we need. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may now take your seats. And as you are sitting down, I want you to elbow the person beside you and tell that person, God will speak to you today. We're still in our series, Numbers. Are you enjoying Numbers so far? It's like a movie, you know? And we're on the last two talks of Numbers. Aww. And it's a wild ride. And the topic of the talk today is this. God turns curses into blessings. I want you to say that to yourself. God turns curses into blessings. Let me ask you one thing. Have you ever experienced something unfortunate? Have you? I remember one time, several years back, I was a campus missionary and I was having dinner in a fast food chain with one of our student leaders. So we were ordering, so here's the counter, we were ordering, the student leader was in front of me. So what he got was a big cup of soft drink, large fries, and a big burger. And as he was turning around after getting his order, the large cup of soft drink tipped over. You want to know what happens? The hot and crispy fries, freshly cooked, was now drenched in soft drink. And the burger that was this tall is now also drenched in soft drink. This student saved up for an entire week just to buy that meal. And since I was a missionary, I didn't even have money to buy him another meal. So what we did is we continued to our table. We sat down. He had no choice. He was at fault. So he cannot ask for a replacement. So he started eating the soft drink drenched fries and the burger. And while we were eating, he asked me, Bro, why did this happen? 
Why did God allow this to happen? Is He punishing me from my sins? That's why this happened. Am I cursed? And believe you me, while he was asking the questions, I was praying deeply to God because his questions are quite deep. So I was asking, Lord, Lord, help me because my answer could either make or break this person's faith. And light bulb, something appeared. The Lord answered me. So I told him, here's what I told the student leader. You know, bro, you need not involve God in this. Notice that your cup is tall and narrow. Naturally, the center of gravity is higher than the height divided by two. <laughs> and when you turned around, it was quite fast. So the centrifugal force combined with the higher center of gravity caused it to tip over. You know what, what he said after that? He said, oh my gosh. It was just gravity. <laughs> I was over-spiritualizing things. I was blaming God already. And in my mind, I was thanking God, Lord, thank you for the explanation. <laughs> this man could have lost his faith if I had not answered that well. Would you agree with me that it gives us peace when we find logic and understanding in the challenges that we face in our lives? Do you agree? How many of you have prayed for that? Lord, I wish to understand why these things have to happen. Have you prayed for that? Amen. I am, I am like you. I also pray for that when challenges come. Look, can you, can you further explain what will happen? Why does this? But would you also believe me that that kind of a prayer is not answered always? Agree? What if it's a more difficult, unfortunate event? I was talking to someone recently. He went through a breakup. He was telling me, bro, why did my ex replace me for someone who has suicidal tendencies, is very jealous, and it's not even earning well? While here I am, a consultant in, in a big company, I'm serving God, I'm very mature, I'm not even jealous. And I, again, I was praying to God, Lord, how can I explain to this person what's happening? So, I tried my best. I was trying in every aspect. Oh, you know, because jealousy is important sometimes because the girl will feel that you are really into her, but just express it in a positive way. Oh, you know, uh, she's saying that she fell for the suicidal guy. It's because that she felt that she was needed by that guy. And because you're mature, she felt that you, you don't need her. And I believe that I also told this guy that, you know what, in relationships, you need to balance dependence and interdependence like that. So I was running out of explanations. Until at the, the end of the conversation, he was asking me, so bro, why? Why did she replace me with someone else? So I began to ask, can I look at his Facebook? Can I see how he looks like? When I see how he looks like, he doesn't look much better than you, so I really don't know. <laughs> so he was saying, am I cursed? Is this my fate? And let's go into more deeper things. We have a ministry for sexually abused children. That's Jeremiah Foundation. And have you ever wondered, why, why does it have to happen, Lord, to people young as 13 years old being molested by their neighbor, by their uncle? Why, Lord? And to think that if you have been abused in your life, you carry it as if it's a curse that you bring over. Because you will have wounds 
caused by it that you will care for your entire life. Do you agree? On a, on a more, on another aspect, for me, like me, for example, I was born in a broken family. So do you know how difficult it is to be born in a broken family? You grow up having that sense of low self-worth already because of your roots. And to tell you this, I have been struggling with some of the issues up to now. I've been healed by God majority, but sometimes there are bits and pieces that recur. So is this a curse that I have to carry for the rest of my life? Have you ever asked that question? Do the bad situations and the bad upbringing and the bad context and the bad background do we have to carry it as a curse for the rest of our life? Why does it have to happen? I believe that you will have peace even if you're carrying something, if you get an explanation from God. Agree? Will you have peace if God explains to you, Anak, this is why it has to happen. But here's what I realize in life. Sometimes no explanation will come. And sometimes bad things can happen to good people. In my journey with God, I realized that you need not pray. You need not understand everything. You just need to trust the one who understands everything. And that is God. Amen? So here I am in front of you today. I came from a broken family. I still don't know why this has to be the setup for my life. But I realized where I am now is because God is still in charge. God is still good. And God will turn curses into blessings. And it's the same for your life. Amen? Elbow the person beside you and tell that person, God will turn curses into blessings. So now let's go back to the story. And if you have been with us in this journey to Numbers, the camera, if it's a movie, the camera was always in focus with what's happening with the Israelites. But now we, we step on to chapter 22. The camera shifts focus from the Israelites to the enemy of the Israelites. So this new generation, remember, because in the previous talks, the, the new generation is the only one allowed to enter the promised land. This new generation is different. They have been very obedient to God. They were starting to win wars with the Canaanites, with the Amorites. So the remaining tribes there in Canaan were afraid. They were like in a war room meeting. The leaders were meeting. What are we going to do? with these Israelites. And here's a preview of that meeting. Numbers chapter 22, verse 4 to 5. The king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, this mob will devour everything in sight, like an ox devours grass in the field. So Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Beor. Who is Balaam? Ask me who. He was the famous sorcerer of Mesopotamia back then. So they know that their armies won't work. We need the big guns. And you know, this, this Balaam is famous because other than the Bible, there are other ancient texts that mentions his name. So in a modern context, you can think of him like Dr. Strange. Who knows Dr. Strange? Yeah, the evil version with the dark hole. That is how Balaam is like. So they asked Balaam for help in this. And 
Here's what King Balak said to his messengers. And the messengers relayed this to Balaam. So the first message of the talk is this. Can you say this with me? God is still in charge. So the message goes to Balaam. Numbers 22, verse 4 to 6. It is said there, Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people you curse. So what happened next is this. Numbers 22, verse 9 says, That night, God came to Balaam and asked him, Who are these men visiting you? Isn't that weird? Who, who, who among you here wants that God reveals his presence to you so that he, you can talk to him and ask him, Lord, Balaam was not a man of God, clearly. He was a sorcerer. He was the villain. But God reveals himself to Balaam, questioning him of what he is about to do. So, what is God encouraging us today? Even over your enemies, God is still in charge. Because a lot of people, I believe, enter into this sort of paranoia. When there's chismes in the office, and you know that you are the topic, you say, Lord, what do I do? They are saying bad things about me. Today, God is reminding you, God is in charge, even over your enemies. Maybe you're in business, and your competitors, or maybe a, there, there are people plotting evil against your business. Yes, it's good and correct to establish systems and processes, but the end of it, if it's not giving you rest and sleep at night, if it's keeping you up, always know that God is still in charge over your enemies. Agree? So here's what's happened next in the story. God speaks to Balaam and he tells Balaam, Numbers 22, chapter 10, you are not to curse these people for they have been blessed. God was already preventing the misfortune from happening. Are you getting this? How the Israelites were being protected. So the second message of the talk is this. I want you to read it with me. You cannot curse what God has blessed. Amen? Can you say that to the person beside you? You cannot curse what God has blessed. So here's the interesting part. We go to the donkey. So what happened is, since Balaam was told by that by God, he was invited by King Balak to come to his presence because he was declining at first. The Lord has already spoken to me. I cannot curse these people. You're asking me. So what did Balak do? Like any corrupt leader, what he did was he sent more leaders to peer pressure him. And he sent more money offering that we will pay you more if you do this. So finally, Balaam agreed to go. And while they were going to where King Balak is, this is what happened. Numbers 22, verse 28 to 30. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak 
What I have done to you that deserves you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. Balaam answered, You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. What was happening? On their way to King Bala, the Lord sent an angel with a drawn sword guarding the path between Balaam going to King Bala. So the donkey's eyes were opened to see that there's an angel. So naturally, the donkey will avoid the path. The first time, the donkey avoided the path. So, so Balaam became angry. He struck the donkey. What's wrong with you? It's like if you have a pet cat, you know a pet cat, and you're preventing that cat from doing something, and the cat ends up doing that something that you're preventing that cat from doing. It's like that. So the second time, the donkey was walking. The angel was still there. There was a wall. The donkey pressed into the wall and stepped on Balaam's foot. So the, his foot was crushed. So he was, he was getting frustrated and agitated. And remember that the leaders were there watching him. And he was known as the great sorcerer. And now the donkey of the great sorcerer could not even follow the sorcerer. So what credibility has he has now? That's why he, he began to strike the donkey. And that's why the donkey is speaking right now. Then the Lord, Numbers 22, verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. That's when Balaam realized that God was hindering his plans. And fast forward to the story, you will see in Numbers 24, verse 10, that Balak became angry. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Because here's what happened. When finally, Balaam met Balak, they went to several places over the mountains looking at the camp of the Israel. Remember, they, they are, if, it's like if you're watching 300. Have you seen the movie 300? It's the part when they go up to the mountain to overlook the encampments of their enemy. That's what Balaam and Balak did. So on the first place where they did that, when, when, so what they did is they, they even made an altar sacrifice, seven sacrifices, seven altars, seven bull offerings, just to empower the divination that Balaam will do. But since God has prevented Balaam from cursing them. He, he only says that if you, a word will come out of your mouth, it will be a blessing, not a curse for them. So the first time they did it, they tried. Balaam said a curse, but what came out was a blessing. So they went to another place, and thinking that it's the place, they went into another place, and then Balaam again, they, again, all the offerings, and the expensive bull offerings, when Balaam again said a curse, Blessing came out. King Balak was getting frustrated. You know, young people here, who, know, who knows Uncle Roger? You know Uncle Roger? He was like, Hiya! You told me you're a great sorcerer of Mesopotamia. And when you say curse, you curse people. But here, I even spent money for the offering. And when you open your mouth, blessing come out. My money wasted. Hiya! King Balak was like that. On the second time, he was already frustrated. He was telling Balaam, 
If you will open your mouth and not say a curse, at least don't open your mouth anymore. Because it's just a waste of resources. But you see here the power of God. That even if someone was spending effort, spending resources, spending time, spending talent, spending treasure, he still cannot curse the people God has blessed. Why are we, are, why are we talking about this? Because I want you to, to embrace this fact that you must relax because your most powerful enemies are donkeys before God. Amen? He has power over them. And what's interesting is the Hebrew word that, that the author used in the word struck when, when Balaam was striking the donkey was the same Hebrew word that, the, the, that Balak used when he was striking Balaam. So it just means that the author is proving a point that with God, our enemies are like donkeys because you cannot really curse what God has blessed. Amen? Can you look at the person beside you? Tell that person, you cannot curse what God has blessed. And I think this is truth that you have to absorb today. Because we also know in the previous talks of how the enemy works. He tries to invert the truth with the lies and mix it up together so we get confused. So sometimes we think that when we are cursed, we are cursed forever. So sometimes we think that when something is blessed and has been cursed, it cannot be redeemed again. Amen? Take, for example, marriage. I believe that you have power so that your marriage can be a strong marriage. Do you agree? Because marriage is something that's a covenant between you and your spouse and with God. So He has blessed that, and He will not allow that to be cursed. What, what is it that allows it to be cursed? Ask me, what's that? It's our free will sometimes, because God will not meddle with your free will. So now what I suggest to you is to always tap onto the power of God whenever trials and challenges come. And one good example is for you to establish. When temptations come in your marriage, fathers who are fathers here, husbands, I was so glad and happy when I saw a lot of fathers coming here. You're at the right place. And you, you, you know what? I can confirm that you're really fathers. You want to know why? Ask me why. Uh, you want to know how? Ask me how. Because like me, I saw the car keys here. That's very father-like. It's very practical. But I believe that we have the power to become loyal and faithful to our wives. And can I share something that happened to me recently? Is it okay? <laughs> I recently received an indecent proposal. I do financial literacy content on TikTok. So I, I get a lot of messages. It's, it's one of my advocacy. So I, I try to entertain as much because sometimes the people might need literacy. Sometimes the people might need prayers. So there was this one woman messaging me, asking just about my financial content. But one night, I was shocked. I was already lying on my bed. My, I, I was able to put my daughter to sleep already. My wife is still at the office because she comes home at around 12, 12 midnight to 1 a.m. And I got a message from this person, a photo of that person in revealing clothes with the message, Hello po. I was scratching my head. What's this? And if you know my background, I came from a background that I know that broken families start with like something like this. I will never go into this. I know the side effects of this. But slowly, all the logic and the explanation in me is fading away. Believe you me. So I started asking God, Lord, I want to tap into your power. I want to, 
address this. But the enemy is also whispering things to me. Oh, you can explore it. Try it. So I replied with, is this a wrong send? And the, the reply came back, no, it's for you. Oh my God. So the enemy's voice become louder and the logic and the explanation here becomes, becomes humina ng konte, mas lumakas yung sinasabi ng kalaban. And the enemy was trying to tell me already, oh, it's not your fault if you go into this because you're not the one who initiated it anyway. It's okay, just try to see where it will go. And that's why I started tapping to God's power. Lord, I don't want my marriage to be cursed. You have blessed this. So I asked for His grace. So I replied. I replied instantly, I must end this now. I told her, I'm sorry. I, I initially replied to your inquiries because I thought you were asking about my financial literacy content on TikTok. But this content is inappropriate for me. I love my wife and my daughter deeply. End of conversation. After that, all the enemy's lies in my head were like shunned away. I feel that there was like an angel with drawn sword already. You cannot cross this path, Balaam. Your sorcery will not work on this person because he has tapped into the power of God. What, are, what, was I, what am I trying to say here to you today? That you cannot curse what God has blessed. And in the end, God is in charge. At the end of the day, you will always win. Because nothing can defeat God, even the lies of the enemy. So, just an, another, another example. What if you already failed in the past? You, you gave into something like this. I want to also remind you of the truth. That what, remain, what, what you curse, God can bless again. And it will remain blessed. Amen. The enemy's lies is always to tell you that what has been cursed is cursed forever and you are doomed. But it's not. God is in charge. At the end of the day, you will always win because of him. Amen. To continue on with the story, please welcome Brother Odi Villarasa. Thank you. Can we all acknowledge the fact that John Ben preached in complete English the whole time? Clap your hands for that. Thank you, John Ben. I'll give you message number three. I hope and pray that this is blessing you. Message number three, write this down. God turns curses into blessings. Can you tell that to the person beside you? God can turn a curse into a blessing. We're at the part in the story where John Ben already gave you the, 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 the foundation about Balak and Balak. Now, up until this moment, they hadn't met. They've just been texting. They've just been emailing. and He's been sending messengers. And finally... They have a chance to have an eyeball. Now, if you don't know that term, ask the parent beside you. Daddy, mommy, ano po yung eyeball? Kapag eyeball na sila. After all the Zoom meetings, now they're coming face to face. And so King Balak, he asks ba Balam to do something. To go up three. How many? Three high places. I'll talk to you about the third high place. Now, Balam is in the third high place called Mount Peor. And he sees the expanse of all the Israelites. And remember that he's supposed to declare... A curse, right? But instead of declaring a curse, he says something so amazing. He says, this is the message 
of Balaam, son of Beor. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob. How lovely are your homes, O Israel. They spread before me like palm groves, like gardens by the riverside. They are like tall trees planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. The water will flow from their buckets and their offspring have all they need. Wait a minute. He sees cedar trees, palm groves, water flowing isn't this supposed to be the wilderness? It's supposed to be the desert. This is not Barakai. There's a different version of what Balaam sees. This reminds me of the, how, how my wife and I have different versions of, of how she answered me and made me her boyfriend. My wife's version is that she said yes to me after a month. But my version, and this is the correct version, is that it only happened within a week. Now I'll leave it to you to judge which version that you will believe. Just remember that it's Father's Day. <laughs> so he had a different version of what he was seeing. What's happening here? There's a spiritual significance. The author wants to point out that although the Israelites were in the wilderness physically, spiritually, they were in the garden of God. They were in the garden of Eden. Remember what we talked about earlier in the book of Numbers, how God wanted his people to organize in such a way that there was an outer zone, there was a middle zone, there was an inner zone. You remember that? The outer zone represented the 12 tribes of Jacob. They were protecting the camp of God. And then the middle zone comprised of the Levites and the priests. They were the ones taking care of the tabernacle, picking up all the furniture and all the fixtures of the tabernacle. And then the inner, in the inner zone, that's the tabernacle of God. And we said that when you make God the center of your life, you can experience abundance wherever you are. And this is what he's seeing right now. That in the wilderness, there is an abundance. There is a garden. You know how some people, they say that poverty can be a curse. They say that being poor is a curse. But you know, I've met some people who don't exactly have everything. And they struggle with money. But because they have God in their life, they feel like they have enough. How many of you agree with me? You don't have to have the best of everything. But when you've got Jesus in your life, you feel like it's enough. Right? There's always enough. There's somebody here who never had the same quality of education as other people. And yet because God has worked with you and because of the grace of God, you have a good career now. You, can, you, you found good work. You have a business. Amen? All the fathers, raise your hand. Come on, all the dads. Some of the dads here raising their hands. Some of you might not have even grown up with a good father. Maybe your father left you when you were young or maybe your father passed away or maybe your dad wasn't really a good dad. But because of the grace of God working in your life and because you made God the center of your life, you're a good father. Can we get an amen and a hallelujah for that? There's somebody here who was wounded early in life because of an abuse because of a maltreatment, but because God is the center of your life, God is using you now to help others who are also wounded in that same way, walking in their wounds because now you're a wounded healer. I'm telling you, God can turn curses into blessings. Amen. Here's the fourth message, and I love this part. While you're sleeping, God is actually working. Amen. What I find so fascinating about this is John Ben already talked about it a little bit, but let me just broaden it a little more. For the entire time when they were journeying in the desert, we've seen 
the stories of the Israelites and the version of their story. We've seen what God has done through them. We've seen their struggles and their difficulties. We've never seen what the enemy was always doing. And for the first time ever, the author shifts gears. And now we're seeing the version of the enemy and what they're doing. Balak and Balaam are the enemies of Israel. So now we're seeing a glimpse on the enemy's side. But you know, the interesting part is that while Balak and Balaam were orchestrating and organizing against their enemies, would you like to know what the Israelites were doing? Ask me what? A little bit louder. What? Nothing. They were sleeping in their tents. You know what that means? That means that while the enemy is busy plotting and planning against you, God is also busy working and, and building in order to bless you and protect you without even you knowing it. I mean, how amazing is God that while you're sleeping, God is also cooking in the kitchen and preparing a blessing for you. You know, something happened last week. And as a parent, this is the worst thing that didn't happen to you. We went out with a group of friends, some of our, our builders here, and we had an out-of-town trip, an overnight trip in Rizal. And it was a swimming trip. And I brought my kids, of course, and they were swimming. And I, I'm usually the swimmer in, in between me and my wife. I'm the one who likes to swim, so I was taking care of my kids. And Ethan was wearing the floater. My salbabida siya. My other girl, Ellie, she's only two years old. I took off her salbabida because she wanted to play by the stairs, and I was watching her. There were two other people there, some yayas, watching the other kids. But I took off my attention from her for a brief moment. And I helped one of the kids put on uh, goggles. Took about maybe five to ten seconds. And then when I turned, Ellie was gone. And I thought that my wife, I was imagining that my wife picked her up or somebody picked her up. But when I looked around, she wasn't there. I started looking for her. And to my horror, this still gives me nightmare imagining it. She was already floating in the water. I mean, not floating with a floater, but submerged in water. I, I don't know how long it took. I, I picked her up, and she started crying. And as a parent, that's the worst thing that you can, you can do. And, and it gives me nightmares still thinking about this. But you know what I'm so grateful for? I'm grateful for the fact that God protected her when I couldn't. I'm grateful for the fact that God was there, and He tapped me, and He was there protecting her at all times. It was just a few seconds, but... Something could have happened. Every single time, how many times do you leave your homes and your families and you're so worried about them and you're so afraid, but because you believe in God, you entrust them to God's care because you know that God loves them more than you ever will. That's what I'm talking about. How many of you are grateful for God's protection? Just clap your hands. That God can protect you and your family in moments that you can't. And I'm grateful for God's protection. God said to Adam and Eve once upon a time in the book of Genesis, you can eat from any of the tree from the garden except, everybody say except, except from this one tree. Now, I know some people who might think that one word is a way to describe that God is a killjoy because he's denying me from that one tree because of that limitation. But you see, let me tell you the truth. Sometimes a limitation is really nothing but God's protection. That God doesn't always answer your prayer because He knows it will do more harm to you than good. And I'm so, I'm grateful to God. But the sad reality is that sometimes we get mad at God for not answering all our prayers, not knowing that the reason why God did not answer your prayers is because He knows that you might mismanage that at that time. 
He knows when you're ready for that job promotion. He knows when you're ready for that spouse. But if God gives you that thing when you're not ready for it, but just like that prodigal son, you might squander that wealth. You might squander that inheritance. So praise God for the times that He knows that we're ready for that blessing. Can we clap our hands? Because God is wise enough to know when to bless you and when not to give you that blessing or when to give you another kind of blessing. But here's what I find so crazy about all this. It's while... God was busy protecting and blessing His people. The Israelites weren't exactly the most faithful people, right? I mean, they, they were a race that kept on disobeying God. Every chance they would get, they would worship other idols and they would turn to false gods. But you know what was so amazing is that this chapter in the story talks about a character named Balaam for three to four chapters about how he wrestles with his obedience with God. But I believe that if you dig really deeper, it's not really about a story of a man who disobeys God, but it's about a story of a God who is so faithful to his people, that he's so determined to bless and protect his people no matter what. That's who God is. That even though you're unfaithful, God is still faithful. That even though you run away from God, God is the one who runs after you. That's what the story is all about. So now let me shift a, 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 little, a little bit here. I want to talk about the seven oracles, the prophecies that Balaam speaks about Seven oracles. You know, there's a biblical pattern that Bible authors would often use, ancient style, that they would often put the most important part in the middle. Everybody say that, in the middle. It's always in the middle. So now you've got seven oracles. Which is the most important part there? It's the fourth one, right? Because it's in the middle. Now remember, the first three oracles, it talks about events that were going to come very soon. But the fourth oracle, and this is the fourth oracle, this talks about something that will happen in the distant, distant future, something that Balaam will never even see. He says in Numbers chapter 24, I see him, but not here and now, and I perceive him, but far in the distant future. He says, a star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. Balaam couldn't even see it, but he was already seeing a star and a scepter. Now know that whenever they use star and scepter, that's royalty language. They're describing someone of royalty. What was he seeing? Do you know who he was seeing? Jesus. He was seeing the king of kings. He hadn't even known who Jesus is yet. But he's seeing Jesus and he's prophesying about this man who would come. And then Jesus came. When Jesus was crucified up on that cross, the enemy celebrated because they thought they had won. They used that instrument of death, that wooden cross as a, as a tool of shame. But I want you to absorb this and let this minister to you. What they used and what they thought would be an instrument of shame in the hands of God, it became the greatest instrument of salvation because God turns curses into blessings. Amen. I love this story. How many of you have, can honestly say that this is the first time you've ever heard of Balak and Balaam? Raise your hand. First time I heard about them too, this week. And I praise God that we get to study the Word of God together. But you know what I find so amazing about, it, about this and interesting is that it's so relevant, especially for Filipinos. 
I'm, I'm, I'm probably thinking, hmm, why is it so interesting for Filipinos? Because the name Balak, when you translate it to English, it means intention, right? Balak, intention. Tama ba? May Balak, may intention. Now, Balak is somebody who has always had evil intention against the people of God. So you could say this perfectly in English, translated to, si Balak, may masamang Balak. Tama? And I was meditating this about this the whole week long, and I realized that Balak is a representation of sin. You know how sin will entice you to go to the dark force, to the dark side? And, and in this case, Balak was enticing Balaam using what? Power, greed, money, fame, glory. But on the other side of that spectrum, Balaam is also a representation of, who, of you and me. Why? In the sense that we also wrestle with sin. And sometimes we even negotiate with the Lord when it comes to sin. Lord, is this really wrong? Lord, is it, did you really say that this is wrong? Go back all the way to Genesis. That's the serpent talking. Did God really say that you must not eat from the fruit, from, from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? Is this really wrong? Maybe it could be right because my friend said it was right. Maybe it's okay that I should text another woman at the, end of, at the end of every night because I'm not doing anything wrong. Maybe it's okay if I put a little something in my pocket because other people are doing it. Now we're negotiating with sin. I'll tell you something. And this is something that caught my eye is that even Balaam, he, he consults God not once but twice. He consults God even though he was a pagan. I'll tell you in... Where is this? Numbers chapter 22. Let's go back a little bit. It says that God told Balaam, do not go with them, with the messengers. You are not to curse these people for they have been blessed. But what happens? The next morning, Balaam got up and told Balak's officials, go on home. The Lord will not let me go. But you know his heart, he wanted to entertain that thought. He wanted to negotiate with the Lord. Let's continue to read in verse 14. It says, So the Moabite officials returned to King Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak tried again, just like sin keeps on trying with you. This time, he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. And they went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what they said. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. And then he says, I will pay you very well. He entices Balaam with more blessings. And do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. But Balaam responded to Balak's messengers. Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of my Lord, my God. But here's the negotiation, he says. But stay here one more night, and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. You know how we are when we're kids, when daddy or mommy says no, we'll say, okay, I'll try tomorrow, maybe daddy and mommy will change their mind. And we keep doing it again and again. We try to negotiate when it comes to the thing that we really want. That's what's happening here. Can I invite everybody to stand? I told you about the third time they went to the third place. 
But I did not tell you about the first two times, and I did that very deliberately because there were the first two times that Balaam went to the first place and the second place before he went to the third place, obviously. So the first time that he goes up to the high place, he's supposed to curse the people, but he doesn't. Instead of cursing, what, what happens is that he starts declaring a blessing to the people of God. So what did Balak do? Balak said, okay, let's go to another place. So he goes to the second place. And in the second place, he tries the same thing. He tries to curse the people of God. He sees the Israelites and he wants to curse the people of God because that's money in his pocket. But instead, a curse doesn't even leave his mouth. It can't even leave his throat. He starts declaring a blessing again. So Balak says, okay, then let's go to another place. And on the third place, you know the rest of the story. It's history by now. He declares and he sees the cedar trees and palm groves. What's happening here is that Balak thinks that if it can move Balaam to a different place, to the second place, or, or, or maybe he can move Balaam to the third place, then it might change his perspective over the people of God and thereby changing also the prophecy. But you see, one thing he did not understand is that you cannot change God's promise. Because God's promise is not bound by a place. You can be in a difficult situation right now, in a difficult place, and that will not change God's promise over your life, I'm telling you. My wife asked me this question last week. She said, do you believe in curses? Do you believe in witchcraft? In Tagalog, This is the kind of conversation we have you know, on, a, on a regular day. And we were talking about a topic, not even about the talk. And I remember that, I was thinking about that and, and, minister, and it ministered to me because I didn't really know the answer, but here's what I said. I said, I don't think that it matters whether or not I believe in curses or witchcraft or sorcery. Because I think that what matters the most is that I believe that God's power is above it all. That God's power is above every curse. That God is sovereign in this world. That's what I believe in. Because you see, the enemy will try to convince you and say words over your life and say that you're condemned, you're not worthy, you're unloved. But God's voice will say it differently. God's voice will be the one that says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in the image and likeness of God. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Neither height, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor powers that be. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. So what voice are you listening to? There's a word that was spoken over your life maybe in the past that hurt you. But it's not from the Lord. Because no one can curse what God has already blessed. No one can curse what God has already blessed. In fact, let me say this this way. No one can change how God sees you. No one can change how God loves you. And though people may say that, hey, yeah, you're cursed, you got bad luck? Uh-uh. When it comes to God, He sees you as a child. He sees you loved. When the enemy says that you are unloved, God says, I love you. I love you. That's God's word for somebody here today. 
whatever curse was placed over your life I believe that God's power is over that he is above it all he is Lord Jesus Christ and he is sovereign over everything so trust Jesus trust Jesus because when Jesus says something it shall come to pass when God makes a promise, the Bible says that God can never make a promise and it will never come back to Him empty-handed. God's promise will always be fulfilled because His Word is unfailing. His Word is unwavering. His Word is unchanging. We believe in You, Jesus, and You are here. Whatever condemnation that we carry in our life, Father Jesus, here we are laying them down at the foot of your cross believing in faith that you can turn it around and use it for your glory because that's who you are you can shift our hearts from defeat into victory raise your hand if you believe in that father we declare that your word is final our failure is not final but your word is final your word stands eternal and in this place that's what we declare in this place that's what we sing in this place that's what we proclaim that we believe in your word we believe in your promise we believe that you will reveal this in the proper time thank you jesus we worship you today amen thank you for listening to today's podcast subscribe to feast radio and open yourself to god's grace for more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.